So in this podcast that we have, I think that at least I find myself very susceptible to wanting to make changes based on listener recommendations. And it's it's funny. One of the recommendations I got at one point was that the intro was too long. And as we kind of in this season have put more of an emphasis on trying to get episodes shorter, I thought one way to shave off a couple minutes was just getting rid of the intro, just jumping straight into it. But I had also had the thought where it's like we are kind of just talking and we don't actually introduce ourselves until the very end of the episode after, you know, hour and a half, two hours of listening. So I think that we should try to bring back a quick intro. And my right. thought is we just introduce ourselves, introduce the podcast, and then play a little music and then we're into it. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. I, I like I like how we do it, uh, how we usually do it, but... I don't know. I like going straight into it because, yeah, we've always had the same intro where you say, all right, welcome to. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I so don't want to do that. I actually anymore. don't. I actually agree taking that out because it does shave off a couple minutes, but I don't mind just, intru- quote unquote, introducing ourselves at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I also just have some haven't... sort of outro or conclusion to. Right. But it, it is it is one of those things where like thinking about it, if some random person were to start listening to this and they don't know who we are then it's like they're just it, I think it's a way to make it a, a more of a personal connection at that point is the way that I would kind of look at it in that way. So basically it would just be a I'm Kornavati, I'm Brian Wells, and you're listening to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. And then we're good. Which is like ten seconds, if right. that. Exactly. I guess that's fair. <laughs> do you want to do it right now or or just next time? No, right now. Okay. And then I'm Brian and Wells. we'll just clip it. Yeah. So, okay. And then can you also say he's done it? I kind of like how, uh, this is so random. I like how PTI does it. <laughs> where what, what, where you say, like, we're like, oh, I'm Michael Wilbon. And then he's, and then Michael Wilbon asks a question to Tony. And then, he, and then, uh, I'm Tony Corners did, and he comes up with some random yeah, joke. Yeah. I guess we did try that at one point. I guess when we did that one PTI episode. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little as awkward great of a sense of humor as Tony Kornheiser, unfortunately. Right. I and, well, I think that's that would be the issue there. We we might need to workshop it. So yeah. Anyway, whatever. We'll we've already <laughs> killed three minutes now. Right. I know. I think it's something to to consider moving forward. Anyway, I'm Kornavatni. You're Brian. I'm Brian Wells. Wells. Yeah. This is he's done it. It's a mostly sports podcast. Uh, it's probably gonna be about ninety seven percent sports in this episode, which I think is kind of the norm for us these days with the NFL, just because we like talking about football. It helps that the Steelers are on a bye week. Um, but you know, the Patriots did play and uh you know, we should probably spend a, I'll give you the floor to spend a little bit of time talking about um, another loss of the Raiders before we jump into some other questions related to the rest of the league. Yeah, it's pretty much kind of copy and paste at this point when it comes to the Patriots where they're clearly not going anywhere and they're not a good football team. I think it's pretty well established that they're not a talented football team and they're not good enough to make any noise this year. But I think one thing that has to be mentioned is that they're not not only they're not a talented football team but they're kind of a dumb football team now (laughs) they're they're a dysfunctional inept football team and they're a total bottom feeder at this point and uh, 
so they don't have the talent. I don't think they're even that well coached now, and they make a lot of stupid plays. And Mac Jones, starting with him, he, I've lost pretty much all faith in him at this point, and I feel like this season I've been more of a defender of him than than other years. But I, I, these last three games, he's had some just major bad bonehead turnovers to the point where it's like, yeah, okay, they have a bad old line. They don't have great weapons, but some of the decision making that he, making that he's made in the past few games, including like, you know, the Dallas game where he had that bad fumble and the bad pick six. And then to begin the Saints game, he had another pick six and and then he had another really bad interception this game that wasn't even close to I think it was Hunter Henry on that play. And so I've I've given up on him and and the rest of the team uh, is just it is is so bad now and yeah they're not even a well coached team now to this point and i i hate i hate that we're in this position because i want a season even if they're not going to make any noise in terms of you know being a true contender you still want them to have meaningful games as the year goes on into into november right. and december but now yeah. it's we're at a point now where they're 1 in 5 they really should be 0 in 6 because if it if it were Aaron <laughs> I mean, Rodgers Maybe zero and six, uh, and now they're about to face even Buff- just like a crazy hail mary, or, play or yeah, like just Randall Cobb catching that last pass. Right. Uh, uh, they they really deserve to be zero and six, to be honest. Uh, and now they're about to face Buffalo and at Miami, and they've never played at well at Miami, no matter who's been the quarterback. And so they did win with Matt Castle one year, uh, that true. Wildcat year. <laughs> they did somehow <laughs> win. Like that's like the the one time. But yeah, yeah, so they're pretty much a lock to go one and seven at this point, and. Which makes me excited about who they'll be drafting next in in the draft. If it's going to be Caleb Williams or Drake May or whomever, but at the same time, I hate how early we got to talk about that kind of stuff. Right, middle of October is like extremely early to already be looking ahead to the NFL draft. Yeah, and it's that's not it's not a great time to talk about that stuff. But at the same time, what else is there to talk about with this team that's not going anywhere? and has no chance of doing anything this year. It's gotten to a point now where it's well established that they suck. They're not going anywhere. And what is, what are we doing from here? Is, is Belichick still going to be here after, after this season? Do you want him to make the decision on who, uh, what we're doing in next year's draft, especially when you have a very, very likely top five pick? Like, are you going to take a quarterback? Are you going to take the right quarterback? Or are you going to trade out again out of the first <laughs> yeah. round? And, you're not trading out of the first round when you're that. But you're high trading up. But down I, I the draft. Yeah, that sentiment. Uh, yeah, so we're future at, picks. So we're at a point now where that's the talking point. Not like, hey, are the Patriots gonna? Are they gonna make this some noise this year? Yes, you can look at the schedule and say, oh, they could beat that team. They could beat that team. You know what I think? I think the bad teams on the schedule are probably thinking, oh, this is our get right game. Right, the Patriots. Right. This is I our know. get right game where we turn things around, and not the uh-huh. other way around, where where the Patriots. Are turning things around. I, I, I've, I've completely given up on them now. I, I, it's, it's even surprised me. Even though I was really low on them entering this year, I didn't think it'd be this bad. I also didn't think it would be like this. I thought it was going to be similar to last year, where the Patriots would kind of flirt with five hundred. They'll find ways to win games against teams that you don't think they'd beat. They'd look like really good at times, really bad at other times, and. 
uh, yeah, I mean, I did not expect to see him one and five. You know, I didn't expect them to lose thirty four nothing to the Saints, I, I, and after yeah. that, I was just like, I don't know when I when to expect them to win a game. I, I did. I didn't expect them to go at least thirty. I think thirty four straight offensive drives without scoring a touchdown for the offense and not the defense. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just an insane stretch there. I think it was twenty eight straight do- drives without even scoring a point. Because something like they, that, it was yeah. three to three against Dallas, and then I think it was what seventy nine unanswered points by the Cowboys. The Saints, yeah, Jim and Nance, the really, <laughs> really, uh, really let you knew how bad the Patriots were. Oh, mercifully ends finally that seventy nine <laughs> unanswered <laughs> streak. Uh, right, and the thing is, they they still almost found a way to win this game, and. I mean, that Devontae Parker drop at the end, it, it, who knows what you could be saying at this point if he catches that ball. Instead, it's a drop. Max Jones is sacked for the safety. Patriots end up trying an onside punt. Just a yeah. sad way to lose. And it's a really sad way to miss the spread, too, when the spread right. is three uh-huh. and a half, and then you lose it on a safety. That's just wild. But uh, that's so it was so bad because that's probably the best throw Mac Jones has ever made in his life because that was a perfect. It was an awesome throw, yeah. But yeah, it's not I mean, going to get any credit because Devontae Parker can't catch the ball. Right. I mean, it hit him in his fingertips. So he just wasn't able to pull it in. You know, it he's, hit a perfect, a- he's a perfect example of how dysfunctional this team is where Devontae Parker, he hasn't really been that great. And he gets, you know, kind of pissy and moany during the offseason when the DeAndre Hopkins rumors were swirling. And and then all of a sudden, days later, he gets this huge raise, he gets this big contract for whatever reason. Right. Because he's. Bill Belichick likes him, but on the field, he doesn't really have the greatest connection with Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne not getting paid as much, but a much better receiver, much better connection with Mac Jones and Devontae Parker, even though he gets all that money, he drops the most, (laughs) the most crucial catch there is uh, for their season. Cause who, like you said, who knows what would have happened if he did, he does catch that and they, and they do drive down the field. And so yeah, that was that was a. Well, and it's also game. not even just dropping the ball, but then the lack and of accountability. Not, not even not even taking accountability for it. Where after after the game, he was asked about the catch, and he was like, "Yeah, it was on my fingertips. So I don't know what to do. Like, catch right the fucking ball, dude." Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't like oh, he outstretched and barely got his fingers on it. Like the highlight is just it looks horrendous. And yeah, I mean that might be kind of the the microcosm of this this Patriots season and. It's just, uh, it's been wild to kind of look at it. And then I think even the, the worst thing is you then pull up what, like Tankathon or whatever, and you see the Patriots still only have the sixth pick because there's so many other bad teams in the league right now, and they have the best strength of schedule of all the one of five teams. So I, I don't necessarily know where this team goes from here. I think they'll find a way to win a few more games, but, you know, this is back to back weeks. You're, you're looking at, I think, eight and nine is their ceiling. Right, because, and that that would take some big upsets, like really turning things around. Because because they're one in five right now, and I was looking at the schedule. In my opinion, the locks in terms of losses are both bu- Buffalo games. I and we'll get to Buffalo, but <laughs> both Buffalo games at Miami versus Kansas City. Those are, in my opinion, the locks in terms of losses. And I know any given Sunday, but I, I draw right. those well, that, up as losses. That and would while get the you rest nine of losses. the games, the I can talk myself into winning, but it's it's unlikely that they'll go eight and nine. I, but eight and nine, the fact that that's their ceiling right now is pathetic. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very fair to say. Uh, and then, 
you know, we're just talking about the whole quarterback situation. You said it, like defending Mac Jones, but it's also one of those where it's like, look, Mac Jones isn't the only problem. He's just he's part of it, but he's also a he plays some type of major role in just a bad offensive system right now whether it's you know the offensive line is slightly more you know the quarterback play whoever mac jones is not looking like the answer right now it no. would make sense to the patriots to move on from him and then i like i think it comes down to who who makes that decision and you know who like they at what point so, does someone have, come in and turn things around too they have so many problems on their team where it's hard to say oh this is the problem like no they have right. a million problems where it's hard to point one finger at what even though I pointed at Bill because it starts with him because he's the coach and he builds the roster. But mm-hmm. there are so many problems in this team where it's hard to just look at one singular thing, which is why I tend to defend Mac Jones more of late. But like you said, he's not the answer, which I felt felt that way from the start. But at least he had a promising rookie season where you think you could build off that. But ever since then, even though a lot of it has to do with the poor coaching, uh, I, I will say some of it still has to go on Mac too. Some of the, especially these last few games, he's, he's had some just horrible turnovers. Where I, I'm definitely looking uh, into the, who the next quarterback is, and Mac Jones definitely needs a change of scenery. I don't know where that is, but it's not here. Yeah, I can't imagine him getting a legitimate opportunity to be a starting quarterback. I think it's going to be maybe like a Mitch Trubisky thing, or maybe somebody's going to bring, like a team like the Bills or whoever, going to bring him in and hype him all up in the offseason and convince somebody else to give him a shot at being a starting I, I don't, quarterback. I don't think it's that bad. I could see it. Well, you said Mitch Trubisky with the Bills. How about Mitch Trubisky with the Steelers? Well, where? no, I'm saying that's the the example where Mitch Trubisky oh, goes okay. to Buffalo as a backup behind Josh Allen for a year. You know, you hear all these things of, you know, being coached up by Brian Dayball, whatever. And then the Steelers sign him with an opportunity to be a starting quarterback at that point, as opposed to if the Steelers immediately signed him or if some other team immediately signed him and inserted him as the week one starter. I don't immediately know. After I don't, I don't know if you'd want to take a backup job. That's just my opinion. So he's just not going to play? No insight. I just, I, I mean... There are a few jobs in the league that he could be a starter. Like just, just for example, we're right at the top of my head, Atlanta. But, but, yeah, like there aren't a lot. But I, I still could see Mac Jones competing for a starting job somewhere else. Is what I'm trying to say. Like yeah, I don't might see not him just necessarily being a straight be up a... backup to just Josh Allen. Like, <laughs> right? I, I know it's not yeah. the exact you know example that or the exact team he would go to, but just. Well, uh, it also depends on how this fourth year plays out. Are the Patriots going to trade him? If someone trades for him, I would think, you know, depending on how much they give up, they're at least going to give an opportunity to an extent for him to be a starter. Uh, but it, that also could play a role. It's like if one of those teams is like, hey, we want a backup quarterback just in case. Uh, we've so he'd, feel, he'd be better than our backup, but he's not going to be our starting quarterback. I think that's really just going to be – how things play out in this off season. It's week seven and we're talking about <laughs> who are they going to draft next and where's uh, Mac Jones going to play next year. I, I hate, I hate it talking about it this early, but my God, there's, there's no hope for them now. Yeah, no, it's not fun. I, I remember the Steelers were in a similar position last year and then managed to turn things around and played themselves out of one of those top draft picks, but that, that was a serious conversation for a while. The Steelers were a team in the league. The Steelers, you know, what are they going to do in the draft? They take a quarterback with a top five pick, all this conversation, and, you know, maybe it's possible the Patriots can end up 
turning things around a little, but it almost feels like the ceiling is it's inevitable that they're just of, gonna go five and twelve, six and eleven. Yeah, something right. Like you're that. playing yourselves out of top pick consideration. <laughs> and that might that might be that might <laughs> probably be works thinking because they only uh, have one win right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and I, I just, I saw Caleb Williams this week against Notre Dame, like a really talented defense, and he did not look great. I, I'm questioning the whole generational talent thing, and I'm also thinking that if you put him in an offense like the Patriots, it's not going to change overnight. Like, it, it's going to be a struggle. So, yeah, when when you're when he's being compared to Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence, and he throw three interceptions against a good team. Finally, a good team. Right. Th- that was their. Was that their first legit? I mean, they they've played Colorado and they played. Colorado is not a legit team at I this know, point. But, <laughs> but, but they were they were talked about a lot. Right. I know they they were very much hyped up. They early played this Oregon. Season. They haven't played Oregon. They yet. haven't played Oregon. No. No. Well, they play Oregon and Washington coming up in November. And okay, I'm, so that's more. Those are two more. games that it's like all of a sudden this Trojan team is going from like national championship pick to. This is where down. I'm at, Corey. Where <laughs> even I got to start watching more uh, college football. I got to right. start watching more film of Caleb Williams and Drake May and others. Right, and Michael see. Penix Jr. Like yeah. you know, Shadur Sanders. I have no idea. You know where the, these I'm quarterbacks not, I, are going to play out. I, I'm. I don't want anything to do with Deion Sanders, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, posting a uh, watch advertisements on his Instagram story at halftime and then blowing a twenty-nine nothing lead. Yeah, not a no thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not necessarily a great spot to be in. Um, you know, the the Sealies didn't play this week because they were on a bye, but it feels like the Sealies still lost a bye because Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator, and the other three teams in the division all won. Uh, Bengals beating the Seahawks, Ravens beating the Titans. Neither of them huge surprises. Both were favorites, but the big upset of the bunch is the Cleveland Browns handing the San Francisco 49ers their first loss of the season. And the Eagles followed that up by losing to the Jets. So that's how we're going to transition into our question segment here. Last year, last week, we just had a conversation. This time, we did actually put in some creativity. So the first question, which NFC contender should be more concerned following their first loss of the season, the 49ers or the Eagles? So both teams kind of lost in very similar situations. They were both on the road, both 5-0. and They both lost, finally. And they both lost to backup quarterbacks. And they both lost to defenses that are really good. You say what you want about the Jets and the Browns. They both have really good defenses. And it's still a bad loss for both teams to lose to P.J. Walker and Zach Wilson. If I had to pick... Oh, and another thing, they both they also both lost because their kicker mo- both missed big kits, kicks in the fourth quarter. Granted, Jake Moody's was much bigger, given uh-huh. that it was at the very, very end of the game. But anyway, if I had to pick, I would say the Eagles, just because they haven't looked that great, even though they were 5-0 and entering, uh, entering that Jets game. And you felt like it was kind of only a matter of time when a team would beat them. I didn't think it'd be the Jets. <laughs> I th- I thought it'd be a team like the Rams, the way they were right. playing and, and getting cut back. But yeah, the, it was kind of only a matter of time uh, for the Eagles to lose a game the way they, because they haven't looked great. They've been fine or they've been good because they were, they were undefeated, but the Niners have been a really dominant team. And you could say that part of the reason why they lost is because they lost two, their two best weapons on offense and McCaffrey and Debo and, 
I will say I kind of hated all the Brock Purdy stuff where like, oh, this is what Brock Purdy is when he doesn't have his best weapons. Like, yeah, you're going to you're going to take a hit when you don't have uh, like two of the best weapons in the league on the field and they're both injured. Yeah, I have but, plenty of thoughts but, on that when it comes to my But at the same turn, time, but... Brock Purdy, he drove them down the field. He put them in a position to win at the end of that game. And he so, did, yeah. If Jake Moody just kicks it a little bit farther to the left, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. And then the Eagles, yeah, it, like I said, they, they haven't looked that sharp uh, through, like given their standards, they haven't looked that great through the first month and a half. So if I had to pick, I'll go with the Eagles just based on the previous games because both both losses were pretty similar. And Yeah, they were. I think it's actually like a very fair comparison, you know, all the, all the points that you had mentioned. Uh, I also think the Eagles should be more concerned for the reason that you said the Eagles hadn't been playing great. It was only a matter of time before they got a loss. And it's not like the schedule. They were going up against juggernauts. <laughs> they were, and now they will be going against right, juggernauts. Right, now they are. Like, they were barely beating teams that are at the Jets level. Now they lose to one. And the, the one kind of difference here the Browns defense versus the Jets defense Browns defense is like historically great it's insane you bring in Jim Schwartz they go from like one of the worst defenses in the league to the best overnight just how bad Joe Woods was as a defensive coordinator cannot be understated but as great as the Jets defense is they're missing their top two cornerbacks Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed neither of those guys parts of that yeah, and Jalen Hurts has not looked great to start the season, and you know he didn't play well in this one. Three interceptions, some really bad ones. He's now tied for the second most picks in the league with Mac Jones, only behind Jimmy Garoppolo. And yeah, and he, you know, he has rushing not, he has is a big good. part of his game. Like that's still there. The Eagles' defense is still great, but that passing attack. It's AJ Brown. He's putting up great numbers, but. You know, Devontae Smith has not been great. And and then overall, Dallas Goddard, outside of the Rams game, has been pretty much a no-show all year. Right. And and it's not, I don't want to say that's his fault, but, but no, they, I haven't mean, the, gotten, they haven't you, gotten the ball enough. You take away Lane Johnson to an injury in this game, and the Eagles offense, it just, you know, it already wasn't great. And now they put up, you know, probably their worst showing of the young season. And, you know, the competition is only going to get better from here they have a really tough stretch coming up soon with games against the Cowboys twice the 49ers the Bills um, and the Chiefs and you know those are five so games like five that, of the best teams in the league yeah right yeah I mean those are five games that you want to you know assert your dominance against those teams but they haven't been able to assert their dominance against bad teams you know last year the whole narrative of them with their undefeated start was well was they, they aren't beating that, anybody they're, but they're the only dominant reason why they're so good them. is because they have the easiest schedule but, but they they, th- they kept proving it all year right. even against good teams which is why i said that both things could be true that they have a really easy schedule but they're also a great team mm-hmm. and yes it, it was unlikely that it was it was likely that they were going to take a little bit of a dip in terms of their win-loss record because of the the harder schedule but yeah they weren't even play they haven't played well even against the bad teams where they they barely beat the patriots in a game where i think it's funny to say now but i really think the patriots played better in that game and they almost lost to the commanders on that uh, on you know late in that game if, if if they went for two at the end of that game maybe. who knows yeah. who knows yeah maybe washington would have won that game and then yeah they 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 just lost to the jets and Maybe it's a credit to the Jets because they have a really good defense and they still performed really well even without their two best corners. 
and Zach Wilson has has played a little bit better in these past few weeks, but that's still a bad loss. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I do think the Jets deserve some credit. They need to be taken at least seriously, you know, even without Aaron Rodgers uh, as someone who can be a threat in the AFC to at least make the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, it's a bad loss to the Eagles. And I think it's easy to say, well, they got off to a 5-0 and start against a bad schedule. And if you played but some now, more difficult teams, they team wouldn't be. That you really should be. And now you're about to face even tougher competition. So Right, signing I, with the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football Week 7. Yeah, so we agree that it's it's the Eagles. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say about the 49ers, and this might be a bit of a, a rant here, but uh, it's a tough, tough week for Brock Purdy to have these. As everyone's talking about him as MVP, you know, we finally say on this podcast that he's like a top whatever quarterback in the league. Then you take away Debo Samuel and yeah, Christian I, McCaffrey, I, and he plays like that. He's still, like, not saying elite, but, yeah, like he's definitely proven that he's – Top half, top 10. Yeah, possibly. all of a sudden you're bringing it down a little. And look, it's it's one of those things where I can admit that Brock Purdy has played really well in this yeah. system. And like he's taken advantage of this opportunity and he's looked great when he's had these weapons. You take away, it's just one game. It's also against arguably the best defense in the league, you know, one of Which the best we've seen unfair. in a while. Right. I get that. But it's also like, I think the frustrating thing for me is that. The whole like Brock Purdy versus Kenny Pickett versus Mac Jones, like all these comparisons. And it's like, yeah, this is what happens when you aren't playing in this great system. And it's like <laughs> we look at our quarterbacks and like, look, they might be terrible, but they also they, they don't might be have terrible, a lot going but, but they for could them. Be, they could be they much could better be, if they were yeah, given right. all the support in the five world. pro bowlers to throw the ball to a elite offensive line. You start to take away pieces and guys don't look as great. And it, it's just like, I think that's kind of why it's, I don't want to go fully all in and see, say that Brock that's Purdy what, is, that's is why an amazing I, quarterback who wouldn't see, that's be why, terrible in also similar situations as our teams. So this is why I, I wanted to give Brock Purdy credit because everyone's just like, Oh, he's only good because he's in the system. Like, it's kind of a lazy take, and I've made the take before, right. too, so I don't want to act I like know. I've never I, said I that. Think it but is it's kind of like, but... yeah, no shit. He definitely benefits from having these weapons around him, but the fact that he's been able to continue to have the amount of success that he's had for as long as he's had, because he hadn't had a regular season loss until now. Right. This is the first regular season and, loss. And, it, and, his, and his first loss, he his elbow was torn up, so... So he's had plenty of success for a pretty long time now, or for almost a full calendar year, to the point where, like, okay, I think he deserves more credit than he's getting. But I didn't want to put him like, oh, MVP conversation. Well, if the season ended today, like, yeah, like maybe he'd be in that top five or ten in terms of. I mean, MVP if the season talks. ended after the Cowboys game, or after he the would Cowboys be, game, after yeah, this, probably, like, <laughs> I think he it's probably gotten some to, votes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's reason for you to be like, yeah, you know, maybe he's not the the MVP of this team, let alone the MVP of the league. And I, I think well, to let, me, that see, was that's one what thing. my thought was. Like, I'm not even uh, saying he's the MVP on his team. Where I would definitely no, but that is happen. well. There's, I think there's two different schools where some people are saying he's MVP candidate, and others are saying he's just a system quarterback, and. Uh, it's somewhere in the middle it, is really yeah, where I, I want to be in I the middle. I don't want to be uh, too far in one direction or the other. I think he absolutely deserves credit for how he's played over the past almost full calendar year. He, but he obviously, he obviously <laughs> benefits from being in the system that he plays in with the weapons that he has. But I just think that, I, I don't know. I just hated seeing like all those, uh, you know, you know, 
tweets or whatever about like, oh, this is what Brock Purdy is when he loses a couple guys. He still, yes, he did not play well in that game, but it was a really great defense, and he was missing two of his weapons, and he still put him in a position to win, even if it he didn't did. look great. Right, and I think there's I've seen like a lot of Kenny Pickett hating Steelers fans who were like basically everything that Kenny Pickett does. This was a Kenny Pickett game, sucks all game, and then fourth quarter comeback drive, and then people are continuing to discredit him and also say, well, Purdy put them in a position to win. Like this isn't bad. It's just a lot of like hypocrisy with that. So I think it's something that also kind of stands out a little more for me because it's like, look, what Kenny Pickett is able to do is the same thing that Brock Purdy did in this game. And he looks amazing when he has George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk and whoever else you want to throw out there uh, behind Trent Williams and this great offensive line. It's just, you know, it's this thing that as I don't think this should be used um, as evidence to say that Purdy is this great quarterback because he made this great fourth quarter comeback, whatever, almost just came down to a missed field goal. I think that, look, he he had a bad game. How does he bounce back from his here? Job, I think he's going his to. job is really just don't screw up. <laughs> right, right. But it's also like the Niners. The reason why I'm not as concerned about them is if they stay healthy, they're still the best team in the league, in my opinion. And yeah, yeah any team that loses big weapons, big players is going to take a big You're going to take a dip. Yeah. Right. So that's why it's like, look, if, if they get injured, yeah, that sucks. But Chris McCaffrey sounds like he avoided a long-term injury. I don't know the latest on Debo Samuel, but as long as those guys, you know, they, it doesn't happen every single week, then I think that this team is going to be okay. And they're not going to be playing Jim Schwartz and the Browns every single week. So that's something else they have going for him too. I think I think the Niners will be fine. <laughs> if they're not going to be fine, who is? <laughs> every, right. Every, well, the no, entire league I, stinks. <laughs> if, yeah. If they're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, which I, I think there's a lot of people who are really down on the NFL right now following week six. And uh, it's not even just the teams that lost this week, but even some of the ones who won. Yeah. So, like you said, there are some concerning losses, but there are even some concerning wins, especially in the AFC where we had the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football. Yes, they beat the Broncos, and yes, they won by double digits, but it wasn't really a very convincing offensive performance. And then Sunday night, we had the Bills face the Giants, which I thought was going to be a total ass-kicking, but it came down to literally the last second of the game and at the one-yard line uh, versus the Giants, versus a backup quarterback. And... So the question is, which AFC contender should be more concerned following their close primetime victory, the Chiefs or the Bills? Yeah, and I think that this is another one where there, there's still some similarities here. In this case, both teams were at home. Uh, both teams were facing teams that were 1-4 and four entering this game. And both low-scoring games. Yeah, right. Both low-scoring games. You know, only one backup quarterback in this case, though Russell Wilson might only be a matter of time before he's a backup quarterback if he continues <laughs> to play like he did on this Thursday night. Um, look, if you've listened to recent episodes from me, you're going to know that I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills uh, and that I am someone who is just going to look at the Chiefs and say I still think they're the best team in the league because of Patrick Mahomes. I see Patrick Mahomes have what looks like a terrible game, and then you see, oh, he still threw for 300 yards. And, uh, yeah, he had some bad interceptions in that one. And I also look at it and say it was Thursday night. Thursday night football is rarely a time for players to play their best. So my issue with the Bills – it's been a problem throughout is you never know what you're going to get with this team weeks two through four they were the best team in football 41 points per game 
uh, blowing out not just the Miami Dolphins like in week four. That was like a great one. But their blowout wins over the Raiders and the Commanders, like you need to acknowledge them just how like they bounce back from week one and then they blow out that 2-0 and Commanders team. Just made them look absolutely horrible after people were kind of hyping them up those first two games. But then their other three games lose to Zach Wilson and the Jets on Monday Night Football. And then these past two weeks uh, against the Jaguars, you know, they scored a couple late touchdowns. But they got off to a really slow start and ended up losing. And now this one where they barely beat Tyrod Taylor and a backup offensive line Giants. So, like their defense did. They did enough. The Giants made some mistakes in this one. But the, the Bills, they just came out slow again. And you just never know what you're going to get with this team. So that's why I'm more concerned about the Bills. I think that on any given Sunday, they can be the best team in the league and look like a Super Bowl contender. And on any given Sunday, they can absolutely suck. We saw that against the Bengals last year. And that's why I just think it's inevitably going to catch up to this team that they're just going to have the wrong day in January or February where they look like this. Yeah, they they are infuriating (laughs) because, like you said, (laughs) they can look like the best team in the league, but then they're... Games like we've seen the past couple weeks, and they struggle offensively, and it costs them. And believe it or not, I'm actually also going to go with Buffalo because right. look, Kansas City. Like I was higher in Buffalo than Kansas City entering the year, and I I don't regret that because Kansas City. I still stand by that their weapons surrounding Mahomes aren't good enough. But at the same time, like every, looking at every single AFC team, maybe they are good enough because. The rest of the AFC, even the good teams have their have their have their weak points right now to the point where maybe just having Mahomes is good enough, even if your weapons aren't great. Uh so yeah, like you said, Thursday night football, a few days after playing a Sunday game, it's it's not ideal ever. I don't care who you no. are. I don't care what point of the of the year it is. Playing playing going from Sunday to Thursday is tough for players. It's also and, a division rival too. And, he, and another thing is Denver, yes, they got back in that game a little bit after the sudden touchdown, but it was never really a question of uh, who was going to win. It, the Chiefs were going to win that game anyway, but the Bills legitimately could have lost to the Giants, and they Easily. honestly should have. Yeah. Because in that first half, we saw the Giants, they were up 6 nothing, and then there was 20 seconds left on the clock, no timeouts, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they ran the ball. And then they couldn't, they couldn't get it off another snap or you know spiking, so they can get a field goal and make it nine nothing, and that could have been the difference. They could have won fifteen to fourteen in that game instead yeah, of losing no, fourteen to twelve. You knew that those three points were going to come back to to bite them, but it's also like a, really a field goal is the reason why. In the second quarter, is the reason why the Bills almost lost to the Giants. <laughs> it shouldn't have come down to that. Yeah. Oh, and I got the score wrong. I um by the way, but at the end of that game, but anyway. Yeah, like the Giants easily could have won that game if 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 they got the field goal uh in that second quarter and things could have been different, but but man, the Bills, yeah, they, yes, they look great at times, but at times they they look like what they've looked the past couple weeks and eventually what we've seen these past few seasons that eventually catches up to them when they don't play consistent of enough football, especially offensively when they're not getting enough outside of digs. And defensively, yes, they they didn't give up a lot of points, but they're facing Tyrod, <laughs> like right. a backup Tyrod quarterback, Taylor, Justin Pugh, off his couch, Ste- <laughs> off, just off the couch. Exactly, uh, I love that. That was such a great intro. Like, wh- how are you going to look against teams that are much better than the Giants? Right. Uh, yeah. So. I mean, well, and that's the thing is against the Miami Dolphins, they beat them 
soundly, just like it completely embarrassed them. It's just them. so and crazy you, that they can be a team with a that high flying of an offense by that much. Yep. And 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 then just look like how they do versus a a really shitty team without their starting quarterback. Right. No. So I actually I. So what I was trying to come up, is there like a trend here? So those three games that we mentioned where they you know scored 38, 37, and 48 points, they were all 1 o'clock Sunday games. The three games where they've come out and well, either lost or should have lost. Monday night in London and Sunday yep, night. Exactly. So prime time. And then the London game, their travel schedule is so wonky. I have no idea what their team's body clocks were. But you're just sitting around all day, whatever it is, like they, they just sleepwalk through those games and – that's what you end up seeing. You know, the Jets took advantage. The Giants almost did. Uh, Jaguars certainly took advantage. And I was looking to see, is this like a trend? Last year, they had three losses in the regular season. All of them kicked off at 1 o'clock Eastern time. So I don't know what to make of it. It's a small sample size through six games, but that, that's kind of where we're looking at here. So I don't know if they play an AFC divisional round game against Kansas City or Cincinnati or Baltimore or whoever at 640 Eastern time. Is that oh, they no chance? Like I, I don't know. It's it's probably too early to be thinking about that. See, but. yeah, the the next three games, right? So they play at one o'clock versus the Patriots. I know who's going to win that game, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll it's probably be an ass kicking. Right? Based on yeah. these trends that we're looking at right now, Corey, uh-huh. uh, it's probably going to be an ass kicking. Uh, but the next two games, Thursday night, and and then Sunday night versus the Bengals. So hey, maybe who's we'll the see. Thursday night game? The Thursday night game is against the Bucks at home. The Bucks, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if they come out slow against either and of those teams, and then who Monday knows? night versus the, I mean, come on, the Broncos. <laughs> oh but, wow! So wait, three straight primetime games against the yeah. Bucks, the Bengals, and the, the Broncos. So I would say that's three games to kind of buck this trend. But you know, the Giants are they're worse than at least two of those teams, maybe all three. So. Hard to say that uh, any of those should be considered a lock. Yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, so uh, as much as you know, those four teams we talked about have you know struggled this week, whether it was in winning or losing fashion. Uh, there are a couple teams that have continued to play really well, uh, potentially a surprise to some people, and that's the Miami Dolphins and the Detroit Lions. Dolphins blowing out the Panthers despite falling behind 14 to nothing. Lions go into Tampa and they beat a, a pretty decent Bucks team 20 to 6. So, uh which of those teams is a bigger threat in their conference to so the teams we mentioned and everybody else, the Dolphins or the Lions? I have I'm having a really really tough time with this question where I don't want to say as tough as the time like the Bears Broncos question, but but it I'll admit like I don't know. I could see either answer uh and and you being right. If I had to pick gun to my head, I'll pick the Dolphins because I think there are a lot more questions with the top contenders in the AFC than the ones in the NFC, in my opinion, where I think the NFC, there are a couple really dominant teams. Yes, the Eagles have not looked great, but I still think they're still a true Super Bowl contender. Well, the top ones in the AFC, like the, okay, the Chiefs, like their weapons aren't the greatest the Bills, we just talked about how they're the most inconsistent football team ever. And the Bengals, they've looked a little bit better, but Burrow's injury is still a big question mark. And so I, I think there there are more questions with the top contending AFC teams than the NFC ones. And then 
I don't know. The Miami Dolphins offense is just so fun to watch. It's so explosive. And and even in their one loss, they still were able to score 20-plus points. And and then when they get uh, A-Chan back along with Mostert, their running game has been awesome. It's made... Uh, it's made it really easy for Tua to excel in this offense, and they haven't even gotten that much out of Jalen Waddle. I mean, yes, he's he's finally scoring some touchdowns now, but the fact that they haven't really needed him that much, right? And they've yeah. still looked as amazing as they've been offensively. I take their offense so seriously. Like they're they have so much speed on their offense. Where, like, if if I had to pick between the two teams, I'll I'll say Miami because of how explosive their offense is, and along with. The question I have more questions about the top AFC contenders than the NFC ones. Yeah, but I think the Dolph- I don't mind you going to Detroit either, though. Well, I say the Dolphins great. feel like the right answer for that reason, given that you can. It's easier to make a case that the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC than it is to say the Lions are the best team in the NFC. But I think that's partially due to just preconceptions, and I, I you know, it, it's one of those things. I don't know if I'm just being different, but I want to say Detroit here. Uh, I think the biggest rebuttal to Miami is. I want to see what happens when they play like a physical defense or what happens when they play out of their element and not Carolina and Denver. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I don't know that we're necessarily going to see that, especially if the dolphins can get that number one seed and have the road through the AFC playoffs, go through Miami. I think that makes them way more legitimate, but the way the lines are playing right now, I, I, I think week after week, they continue to move up in terms of, where they stand in the power rankings and how they go up against some of these other teams. Like the oh, Niners and Eagles going into the year. I agreed. They were one and two, and then the Lions were somewhere below them. But I, I don't think the separation they is might, they as might big be, as it used to be. I, th- I think they're th- three now. Uh, you do think I still, three? I still yeah. think the gap is a little a little big between I, – I, I expect Philly to get better, and San Francisco, even though they lost, is still great. Granted, See, one bad I, loss, but – I, but Detroit, they're with, they're the third team. Yeah. It's just a question of uh, how big that gap is. Really. Right, and I agree with the Niners, but I, I don't know about the Eagles because the Eagles' mm-hmm. schedule is really tough coming up here. We'll find out pretty soon. The Lions, like they feel like they should run away with the NFC North. I you know yep. six and zero in the division is very much on the table. And, you know, overall, they're not playing a first-place schedule this year. They already beat Kansas City and Arrowhead. I know that loss to Seattle, like, you know, it's another team that's considered one of the top teams in the NFC, but they went toe-to-toe with them. It wasn't like they, you know, just no-showed for that game. Lions look great right now. Their fans are yeah. loving this team. They're showing uh, up no matter I, I mean, the game's I love it, too. Like, Dan the man, definitely. He, he should be in the coach of the year running, which I don't think is a hot take. No, uh, Mike McDaniel but, but him too. and Mike McDaniel, too, he should be in it yeah. as well. Yeah, two of the most likable coaches in the league. I'm uh, glad that and, you brought it up. Um, just you know, real quickly here, because Dan Graziano of ESPN, he wrote he every week he does a overreaction Monday article. And I I, I do his, like those, yeah. Yeah, so I I normally like them. They're they're kind of fun. They also give me some inspiration at times of things that we could talk about just based on what you know the national narratives are. And he had one was Tamika Ryan's has already won Coach of the Year, and his rebuttal was it's it's an overreaction. Mike McDaniel, Dan Campbell, Kyle Shanahan, all three of those guys. So something to say about it even robert sala <laughs> like the jets they're, right they're the jets should be in last like with with Probably, with, yeah. Ro- with wilson in there and not rogers oh. i thought they were gonna totally suck yeah like, but same. they've actually I mean, been I... hanging in there and they're they're not gonna finish last because the patriots uh-huh. are and they might actually be in the running for a playoff spot still i i mean i don't think they'll make it still but 
but you can't count them out right now, which is crazy. They did, they've won three games and two of them were against Buffalo and Philadelphia. And so I think he deserves some credit too. Yeah. I would still pick either McDaniel or Campbell as the, the top two front runners right now, but even, yeah, even D'Amico Ryan's and, Robert Sala, I think they should right. be. And I, I mean, the argument for Ryan's is he's a rookie head coach on a team that had no expectations if they can make the playoffs or, you know, even come close to it, that he's going to get a lot of votes in his favor. Uh, but basically, the whole point of this is Graziano throws in a little note. What if Mike Tomlin lugs this Steelers roster to a division title? And I just think the the whole concept of Mike Tomlin and the national, like the whatever media says about him, is just so nauseating at this point. It's just like we just talked about it. The whole AFC is kind of not very good right now. <laughs> the Steelers have maybe the best defensive player in football in TJ Watt. Like it's not like this is some like Carolina Panthers or you know one of those teams rosters. Like the the they have the worst quarterback in terms of experience, play, whatever, however you want to put it in the division. But the, the dr- talent drop-off isn't crazy. It's just this whole idea that Tomlin's getting all this credit. And then this week he's saying that the rookies who have played way better than the veterans aren't guaranteed to start. And it continues to keep Matt Canada, continues to even tear a loss in the D.C. It's just it's so frustrating that he's going to get all this credit if this team manages to go 10 and 7 and make the playoffs. And everyone's going to look, oh, look at this job Tomlin did and not look at all the things that he the- did horribly. And they just lucked their way into victories. So yeah, that's that's a good take by you. And <laughs> there, there are, even if even if the Steelers were to be good and possibly win the division, which I feel like is crazy, but probably not just given the first month plus of the season. I still think there are other guys that deserve more credit uh, around the league, like McDaniel, like Campbell. Yes. Like D'Amico Ryans and others. And so, yeah. I So based on the question, I, I don't mind. You can go either way, in my opinion. I'm just picking the Dolphins just based on the competition and just how good they are offensively. They're both really fun teams, but right now. but the Lions, like, oh, they've been they've been great, and nothing is they've had games where Jamison Williams wasn't out there because of course he was suspended, and Jameer Gibbs has been hurt. Now David Montgomery is hurt, and Amon Ra missed a game. And like, what if all those guys, all of them together, are healthy? And I don't know. I just think the yeah the Lions. And Jared Goff, I can't blame the same, but like, has Goff, looked, he's awesome. He's he's he looked is... he's looked really good, yeah. even with not the greatest supporting cast after Amon Ra. Although David Montgomery has now looked really good in the last few weeks before and his now injury. Now he's hurt. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the lines have looked really good uh, on both sides. I'm just. If I had to pick, I'm just going Miami. But no, I get it, and I I like both of these chances right now. I, blind Dolphins would be a very fun Super Bowl. Oh, it'd be awesome. So, yeah, <laughs> like I, I mean, know that I know the Dolphins are division rival, but Mike McDaniel is uh, he's the man, and uh, the combination so of their speed Campbell. on offense and how sharp of an offensive mind he is, scheming their guys open, especially Tyreek. Mm-hmm. Also, random random thing to note: I hated that. I hate that that's that celebration he had was flagged and he'll be fined oh right it's a phone. yeah the, the flip phone who cares uh, <laughs> yeah well that's uh, no. definitely going to be used as marketing by the nfl as well and <laughs> they're still yeah. penalizing and fining him which i think is the the biggest contradictory point the amount to make of times there. i've seen the nfl like oh this guy gets this ten thousand six hundred and twenty seven dollar fine such a random number and 
and for things that really shouldn't be fined. Uh, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I hate it. Yeah, I agree. No fun league at times. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> if, if if you're not teabagging a guy, I don't think you should get any sort of fine or penalty or anything. That's just me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fun having celebrations. I, those props, like just they always just don't get go guys. too far with it. But <laughs> uh, if if it's if it's something like what Tyreek did with just the the selfie and the backflip, who cares? That's so no, lame. It, yeah, you're right. It it is very harmless. Um, I mean, I I get it because it's a cell phone, and you know we've seen that be penalized in the past for whatever reason. You know, you can do any type of celebration as long as it doesn't have a prop. But um, I also think back to seeing posters of To when he's on the Cowboys uh, with the popcorn, popcorn just throwing yeah. that in his face. I'm pretty sure he was penalized and fined. D- for that Diggs got fined for the 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 beers. Oh yeah, yeah, right. That's I mean, that, again, too. you right. Anything from the crowd, like they're not a fan of that. So it's not like it was two dildos; it was two beers. <laughs> yeah, I know, but uh, again, it's you're, you're going whatever. to the crowd. With I'm, so, props, I'm sorry, I'm like, sorry. Just getting up that that off my chest. Uh, it's so lame. Right, and then what? cut cut to Bud Light commercial yeah. or whoever sponsors the NFL these days. Exactly. All right. Uh, looking at the NFC South, we got two teams. Uh, that are at the top of the division or near the top of the division in the Saints and the Falcons who are both coming off pretty bad losses and they're both pretty frustrating to watch offensively. So the question is, which team do you find more frustrating between the two NFC South teams, the Saints or the Falcons? Yeah, so just like a, a little uh, constructive criticism here, there was also a transition with the Lions beating the Bucks, and the Bucks oh, are still first in the I'm NFC sorry. South. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Just saying the Bucks are still first in the NFC South because both of these teams lost this week. Right. Uh, in addition to Tampa losing. And look, both of these offenses are very, very frustrating right now. And I think that we had a lot of conversations about the offenses in the NFC South division preview and, you know, whether it was hating on the Saints or hating on the Falcons and saying, look, they they have the talent to still be good enough to win this division. These are our two teams. Um I think that the Saints are probably a little more frustrating just in general because at least the Falcons, you get cool highlight videos of Bijan Robinson every now and then. But to me, the Falcons are more frustrating because we keep seeing Desmond Ritter thrown out there. And it's like, this guy, he's not a great NFL quarterback. And this Falcons, he could be so good if they had just a competent NFL quarterback. And I'm also especially frustrated that Kirk Cousins doesn't want to move his family and won't rave his trade clause. Because I think Kirk Cousins of the Falcons would be a perfect scenario. They'd be a legitimate contender in the NFC. And, you know, this team is not just a case of, oh, a bunch of people fighting just to try to get one bad playoff spot and lose in the wildcard round. It, 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 the Saints... They're the mess that I thought they would be. Like, you know, their offense is no better with Derek Carr. But the Falcons, I was I have hope for them. And maybe Taylor Heineke can give you some fun moments there, but I still don't believe that he's gonna be the guy. I would just I'd like to see what Atlanta could do if they had a legitimate NFL quarterback. So you know how I said the last question I had a really tough time with I can go either way, Dolphins or Lions. This one's mm-hmm. I, I I'm not thinking twice about the Falcons. <laughs> the okay. Falcons are way more frustrating <laughs> than the Saints. Uh uh, with freaking Ritter out there, those three oh, three picks, and they were all bad. And right. just like, yeah, if they had, yeah, just a competent quarterback, they would be a they'd be a contender for the division. I guess they still are technically. They are no, they still are but, right. I mean, but, but it's it's not just a contender for the division. I f- you could you talk feel to way about- way better about their chances. 
right now. Of actually making noise in the NFC playoffs. Right now, it's like uh, they have no shot. So yeah, and they're finally starting to throw the ball a little bit more. Like Kyle Pitts and Drake London are actually <laughs> yeah, part right. of the, Kyle Pitts, the number one and number two on web, uh, <laughs> options in the passing game are finally actually getting catches in right. the offense now. Uh, but even still, they're still frustrating to watch, and they still find a way find ways to lose games now. And yeah, I, I'm easily Atlanta because like New Orleans. Look, I was higher on New Orleans than you. But, yeah, you kind of know what you're getting from Derek Carr at this point. And a lot of checkdowns to Kamara. And Olave and Michael Thomas have been okay, decent, not great. But Atlanta's way more frustrating. Like, their their options on offense are younger and probably more explosive, especially with Bijan now. (laughs) But but because freaking Ritter keeps turning the ball over like a jackass – they they lose that game versus Washington, which a game that they yeah. easily could have won. Yeah, so, easy. I mean those two interceptions, like the last five minutes of the game, they're both bad interceptions. Bad, you just, like, throwing bad the ball up just in, into the end zone with no idea where it's gonna go. It, it, yeah, I, I think that this, this Falcons like no, team could no be brainer. <laughs> so much better. No, and it, I think that the, the the difference would be that you know you you are a Derek Carr fan, or at least were in the past. I don't know at this point. It, it's hard to root for that yeah. guy. I, I can't remember the last time that I, I thought a quarterback played that badly, and then I see you threw 383 yards when I look at the box score. Just, yeah, uh, for, for Derek Carr, it, it's just he, he just checks down way too much at this point in his career, and making all that money all that much money for just being a middling check down quarterback it yeah I, i'll admit like it's it's harder to watch him more and more now and and even in a new team it's still kind of the same so yeah that was the same issues you saw with the raiders like i i always thought that Derek carr was an underrated quarterback like i told myself that he was better than he is I, and i, I finally thought he was around, an underrated quarterback <laughs> in the beginning of his uh, career he was he was in the MVP conversation one year that yeah year in 2016 and he like broke his back and it was you know, it was the, his, I think it was like his ankle or whatever it was a oh, fibula okay yeah he oh broke you're yep no you're right someone else I'm thinking of yeah he, yeah I think he broke his leg yeah and so ever since then I don't want to say that's the reason because it's, mm-hmm. it's far from that now but yeah just it's been downhill and yeah you kind of know what you're getting from Carr at this point but the Falcons they could be so much more explosive if they had a quarterback that could not turn the ball over like Ritter did in that game. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm agreeing and that one I did not have to think about. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I mean the Falcons they did pull out a good win over the Texans in week 5. You know, Desmond Ritter did play well in that one, but it it feels like every other week we're kind of having these conversations of, you know, is it time for Atlanta to move on from Ritter, or, you know, put somebody else out there. And uh, I feel like this team's just going to have such a low ceiling as long as he remains their quarterback. All right, so uh, that's it for the Sunday games. Let's move on to Monday Night Football. And I like when we're able to talk about Monday night when we record on Tuesdays because it makes it feel justified waiting until Tuesday. And this is definitely a week where it was a Monday game that certainly had something to talk about with the Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Chargers. Dallas pulling out a 20-17 to victory. Um, and I, I think we're just going to ask, uh, did that game tell us more about the winning Cowboys or the losing Chargers? Yeah. Speaking of questions that I didn't have to think about, <laughs> uh, the Chargers, that says way more about them. And look, the Cowboys, yeah, good for them. They won a game, but they got to face an easier opponent 
a team with a insulting defense. <laughs> I, I I hate the Chargers defense. Uh, they're there's uh, talk about two teams. I've, I've said this already plenty of times in the past with both teams, but talk about two teams that are so talented but so stupid uh, with all the penalties that they commit, so undisciplined and. Uh, but it says more about the Chargers because they were the team that lost. Because if they were the if if the Cowboys lost, maybe I'd say them. But but look, the Cowboys look they, they they'll they'll look good versus teams that have um, more holes on defense, you know, easier defenses to play against. But once they face a really great team like the Niners, they're gonna get exposed and uh, their their ceiling is capped. And yes, Dak looked he finally looked good, but again against a much easier defense to face than the Niners one because once once they face stiffer competition Dak is going to implode and, and along with the rest of the Cowboys so you already know what you're getting from them at this point even though they're really talented and they're top 10 team they'll find a way to lose at some point like the Chargers but the Chargers <laughs> like they're two uh, and four now like what do you need what do you need to see by. more from Brandon Staley he's of, of all coaches in the league uh, he deserves to be fired more than anybody. Uh, talk about a team that would be so, so good if they just had a competent head coach that knew what he was doing. And, yeah, I just think, I don't know. Like I th- I think they'd be so much better if they got a new head coach. And <laughs> Can't help but laugh at that because I feel like people have said that about the last, I don't know, seven or 30 years Chargers for the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a team that will find a way to lose. Uh, so. So maybe it doesn't even matter who the coach is. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Watching that game was kind of infuriating. <laughs> and I think they'd be so much better if, I don't know, Kellen Moore took over. I mean, I don't, I'm curious what Kellen Moore's role is when it comes to play calling and stuff because he Brandon Saley and the Chargers repeatedly – go for it on fourth down and short in these situations that leave you saying, what are you doing? They continue to fail. And for me, I don't necessarily hate the decision every time, but every time I hate the play call, except for the one that Gerald Everett. I actually agree with that. that. Even though I haven't said that, I actually agree. Like there are times, (laughs) Uh, even though it's not many, there are times where like, I'm actually glad that they're going for on fourth down here. But the, the, the fact that they do it every single time, it's and See, probably I, just I based on that. some stupid analytics. That's 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 and what it never really works out in their favor. I mean, their probability it feels like it's much lower than what it's supposed to be according to analytics. Yeah. So, uh, but I, my issue is just like, oh, you you try to run the tush bush with Justin Herbert when he literally well, can't a take a snap on the center. Yeah, right. Or you like throw the ball six yards downfield on fourth and half a yard. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but here's, so I had a more difficult time with this one. And I think part of it is because I've been very critical of Dak Prescott this year and he played well in this game. I think he did a lot of good things. I think at the end of the game, you know, that missed touchdown pass to, I think it was Tony Pollard just slightly overthrew him. That could have been a, a great moment. Uh, even just getting a first down the Cowboys won the game because the Chargers are out of timeouts. They could just kneel down and kick a 35 yard field goal to win it if they wanted to. Um, but I also lean more toward the Chargers. And my, my thing is, it's not even about, you know, the, this Chargers team having a ton of talent and squandering it. I know Justin Herbert is playing great, or no, sorry, he's playing hurt right now. But I'm, I just get to the point where I'm kind of questioning. He, he hasn't looked, uh, like, at least what in do you have here? He hasn't looked his best. He, he definitely threw 
overthrew Keenan Allen on a couple of throws. Right. And, he was missing him a lot. And so maybe, the accuracy maybe, was off. Maybe people, including myself, have overrated. I, I still think he's a great quarterback and would be greater if if they, you know, if he had better coaching around him. Because he has plenty of talent around him. Even with right. Mike Williams being out definitely hurts, but still have you still have Keenan Allen and still have Eckler and plenty of talent around him. Uh, but it, it it doesn't feel like he's making the most of it. I don't know. Maybe it is all on coaching, but it, I just look at, you know, all these quarterbacks that got paid this offseason. You know, Joe Burrow has his injury concerns right now, and Justin Herbert might be in the same boat, but it's also like he got this massive contract, and I I just don't know. I think he might just be kind of a you think there's decent, kind of, you, you talented think there's quarterback. You something missing with Herbert? Because he's yeah, right. certainly talented. He has uh-huh. the size to play quarterback. He has the arm talent and arm strength to play quarterback but yeah he, he's he hasn't been his sharpest uh, of late he's definitely no i mean it, he's, he had he's an opportunity been inaccurate at times uh, he had an late. opportunity to go down the field and win a game and he did nothing before throwing just a really bad interception and i don't know maybe it is just his hand injury and i think if these quarterbacks are playing hurt because the team's like well he's better than anything else and that's a different story to talk about but I just I'm starting to have my doubts about him and it's to the point where you know maybe this Chargers team like all this talent on paper isn't as talent on the field as as you want to believe and it kind of starts with the 262 million dollar quarterback and starting to question really what is his ceiling like is he really an MVP caliber Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback no you can definitely question that I I think that's totally fair because yeah if you put him in the category of Mahomes Allen and burrow when healthy. like he's being paid and that's yeah, yeah, he's being paid that's and, yeah you can question it because I, I still think he's great and could could do a lot better with you know with a better coaching staff but but yeah it's it's definitely fair to question when when you get that much money when, he, when he's getting paid that much and he's being in that talked about in that tier with those guys like all right like the, the Chargers haven't even won a playoff game with him so i think it's totally fair uh to bring up yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's to me, that's also that's like one thing that kind of where I lean more. And as much as, you know, Dak played a great game, I still have my doubts about him. But, you know, it's getting to the point where I think that Justin Herbert might be at least part of these issues. Part of the problem. The Chargers are two and three right now mm-hmm. and not better. Um, And then I also think that we learned that the Chargers have at least one rabid diehard fan who may or may not be <laughs> yeah. an actor like. <laughs> yeah that yeah that lady's definitely she's gotta be their number one fan <laughs> right i it is it, it is very funny that well i don't know if funny is the right term it's it's all i think it's sad that you have a team that is so notorious for not having fans that people see a fan shown on tv multiple times and assume that she's just another actor in la who's being paid to pretend like she knows about the team cares and, cares. and knows what's happening on the field <laughs> yeah right i mean I, well they kept they kept showing her and i i think a lot of people had the same questions like who is this person like is she like someone's mom on the team like what, what is her relationship here like that's what i thought at first i i wasn't watching the the whole game from or start she's to just finish really a and random then, fan and yeah random fan who apparently maybe, has season tickets maybe and her she was just husband. the most passionate fan because every camera angle of any other charges fan is probably just like just <laughs> just right chilling uh, <laughs> No, and it, look, it, credit to her. She's been a passionate Chargers fan for the last however many decades because that's a team that has not uh, given a whole lot of love back. So. No, that's, that's not a great fan base. 
Neither no. neither Rams or Chargers. <laughs> no, I mean, L.A. doesn't – it's not a, a great football team. It's not a I good football market. Care. I hate that there are two yeah. teams there. Right. Same. Um. Yeah, so one last question to mention that I think we can talk about a little bit because we saw the last London game this year between the Ravens and the Titans, and so every game has finished and the London series is over. Uh, but the NFL has talked about the idea, not, I don't know how serious, but an idea of having a Super Bowl hosted in London. And I guess, what are your thoughts on that idea? Give us a Champions League final in the United States. Let's do a trade. If you want to take our Super Bowl, let us take yours. Put it in SoFi Stadium, 6 p.m. Pacific time kickoff, you know, middle of the night over there. Like, I don't understand why we're even having this conversation. It's like the I hate the idea of moving a team there. Now all of a sudden we're going to give them our biggest event of the calendar year. I I just I don't understand this. I think it's it's I'm hoping it's one of those things that is putting out the feelers just to judge the reaction and realize that okay, this is a bad idea. I've heard some people saying, "Well, this is their way of, you know, finding a way to do something else like as a compromise." Uh say, "Okay, fine. We won't give Europe a Super Bowl, we're going to give them this instead, whether that's a team or something else. I I hate the idea of this. Um, I don't... I, I have, I'll let you kind of jump in. No, this, it's stupid. Also led, it's it's yeah. dumb. No, I, I, I don't want to see a Super Bowl in London. I, I think it's a crazy idea. I will say the the few London games that we see every year, the, the fans are do get into it. I, I feel like I notice that more and more now that the fans are legitimately into it and maybe understand what's going on i don't know but yeah i mean i think at this point they've seen enough games but it's also like every single game is basically like a super bowl in terms of how corporate it is and it's just oh they get tickets doesn't matter who they root for you just see random jerseys like half half the league jerseys in one stadium for just watching two different teams (laughs) yeah yeah and i i think um so i don't know how serious this is but there were a lot of conversations that saying one potential conflict is what time do you play it at? And they were saying, for instance, if you played it at 8.30 London time, that's 3.30 Eastern time. You play it like 2 in the afternoon. (laughs) Right. Eastern time. And that's Eastern, not even Pacific. Yeah, oh, I know. Like over on the West Coast, they're playing at lunchtime. And I I hate the idea of that because I think that the Super Bowl is such a big part of our society that Super Bowl parties are like, yeah, like that's all this anticipation. You got like hosting people, like bars are doing all their stuff during the day leading up to the game. Yeah. No one wants to There's a to lot of anticipation leading into the game. And so it's right. kind of like an all day event. Well, yeah. Re- weekly is. event too, where Super Bowl week. But yeah, but Super Bowl Sunday, yeah, you're, you're anticipating it all day and you want to prepare yourself for it when it gets to nighttime, like you said, with bars and, and all that. But. Yeah, like what? I don't want to watch the Super Bowl. Yeah, like at one in the afternoon, like it's a normal week, regular season week seven game. I, I don't right. want to do that. No, I I don't either. And I'll say I love the Sunday six thirty start time. I I I think I would have been more open to moving it to a Saturday or whatever when I was in school and I had to you know, had to get up early in the morning to go to you know high school at seven twenty a.m. was when we had to be there on Monday mornings. But now it's at the point where I don't care uh i like having it being just an excuse to hang out with friends and drink on a sunday night 
I can work from home or even take the day off on Monday if I want to. In a perfect world, the NFL adds an 18th game and it moves back and it falls the Sunday right before President's Day. Yep. And, so you can actually you know, have the day off. Right. Ha- exactly. Making it be a holiday for a lot of people anyway. But yeah, I, I don't have an issue with it. I don't like the idea of moving to Saturday. I just can't imagine. You play the game on a Saturday night, and it's like a lot of people don't really care. People are out and about doing other things on Saturday. And it's, then what do you do with that Sunday? <laughs> like, Yeah, so you just, it, it's right. It sh- just just don't fix it. Don't fix it. I think if it, it ain't no. broke, don't fix it. <laughs> right. I think it's perfect. Sunday, 6.30 Eastern time, 3.30 Pacific time. Yeah, doesn't I, matter I, where I would it hate is. to Keep have, it in the U.S. I would hate to if watch you a, want. Put it in Mexico. Put it in Canada. Like, at least have it on this side of North America, you know, like Toronto. That's right near Bills fans. Like, Mexico, they love the teams down there. But, no, I I don't want the Super Bowl going overseas. I hate the idea of London getting a team and, you know, having teams having to travel there throughout the year. But the Super Bowl, it that just... No, no, stop. No, that's that's where I would draw the line. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not what's whatsoever all right so that'll do it for nfl week six um you know we, we certainly have a lot more football to talk oh, about the rest the, of the yeah way, nothing but... to mention about the super bowl like i i don't mm-hmm. want to watch the super bowl at two in the afternoon i even hate so when a super bowl is played in san francisco or excuse me santa no, clara it, like, or the day when it kicks y- off when it's yes it's 6 30 eastern time but you still you still see it's like three in the afternoon their time and it's like it's I want to feel like it's night no matter what. Yeah, I guess. Well, so that Rams Bengals Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium, that right. was a West Coast, but it was yeah. in a dome. It was so in, in a dome, so it didn't bother me yeah. that much. But right. we we also had Broncos Panthers, and it was still like a bright sunny day out yeah. for like half the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just yeah, one I mean, ran, I, another random thought I had about that. No, I I think that's kind of fair to say that was that was weird but that was like the last time that i can remember that happening because those arizona la super bowls have been played at indoors. Least indoors so it, so it doesn't bother me as much when they're indoors right it's not natural light so yeah. but anyway that'll be it for nfl week six uh let's jump in and talk a little baseball so league championship series are underway rangers astros phillies diamondbacks and texas rangers i I had no faith in this team. I saw them be really good to start the year and then, and then, and then come down to, to earth down second yeah, half in the, the second half. Right. And I just didn't give them a chance. I thought they'd lose to Tampa. I thought they'd lose to Baltimore. I thought they'd lose to Houston. And here they are, up 2 nothing, going in back home to Arlington for three games and a chance to put away their division rivals and get back to their first World Series since 2011. And... I mean, at this point, it's hard for me not to start buying into this team. Yeah, I'm totally for them, uh, you know, being the Astros. I don't, F the Astros. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I, I just want them to go away now. Uh-huh. So uh, so I'm I'm happy to see the Rangers win. I'm happy to see Nathan Navaldi still have success because he was an awesome player for the Red Sox, especially during that 2018 World Series team. Yep. And, yeah, it's cool that – they haven't lost a they haven't lost a game yet, and almost all their no, games have been haven't. on the road. They've only played one home game so far, True. so that's, that makes it even more impressive. And yeah, the fact that they're beating the Astros, sweeping them at home to start the series at least uh, is is I'm definitely happy about it. And yeah, and no, like you though, I didn't. I I remember uh, when they made those moves for guys like Seager and uh, Marcus Simeon and other guys. 
part of me is like, I mean, yeah, it makes them better, but like, I don't even think they're the best team in their own division. I don't think they're the best team in their own state. And now they're proving that they are right now (laughs) the best team in their division and state state, (laughs) uh, outplaying the Astros. So uh, I think it's good for them that they're, they, they paid, they paid real players and they paid a real dollar amounts to, to get these guys and help them become a contender. So good for them. It is a little annoying seeing some of the, you know, shock the world, nobody believes in us, whatever you kind of thing. through it's the like, nose the, to get guys like Seager, yeah, you have the fourth S- highest payroll in baseball. DeGrom, <laughs> even though he got hurt. Uh, exactly. I mean, they, they spent all this money the past few offseasons. Like, credit to them. They've spent. It's worked out. Uh, they might find themselves in the World Series within a few days here with a very solid chance of winning it. Uh, but it, it's not like some crazy underdog story. No, it's, it's not a, a crazy underdog story. Terrible, and then they said, "What happens if we spend six hundred million dollars in an off season?" And then, oh, what happens if we do it again? <laughs> Look at us! All of a sudden, we're a competent ninety-win baseball team. So, you know, kind of amazing how that works sometimes. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, this Texas Rangers team—they're they're very good. Uh, I think they're a fun team. I also am sick of the Astros and I like them losing, you know, potentially to that division in state rival. I, I think Rangers Astros becoming a rivalry. I think that would be fun. I think it'd be cool for baseball having just another regional rivalry. And it's, you know, the, the Midwestern part of the U S but it's still like the West division. So I, I, I think it's just more, you know, something else, especially with the Red Sox and the Yankees, like fighting for last place every <laughs> <Yeah>. year, <laughs> at least this year. So, you know, Cubs and Cardinals, you know, neither of them made the playoffs. So there we go. We get treated to to Texas Houston instead. Yeah, I'm I'm just happy that the Rangers are winning right now. And hopefully that continues. Yeah, and then the, the NLCS, I think that so Philly's Diamondbacks. So mm-hmm. we could have at one point said the same thing about the Diamondbacks, never losing a playoff game. Uh, but then they lost game one, um, five to three. Zach Allen, their best starting pitcher. It feels like Philadelphia winning this series is inevitable. Arizona's yeah, been a nice little story here, but a lot of home runs, a lot of power in that in that Phillies lineup. And when I said I hope the Rangers continue to hope they can continue to win, I meant for in the ALCS first. Yeah, because if yeah. you ask me what my rooting interests are. My rooting interest is not the Astros. That's one. Yes. <laughs> like anyone but uh, the Astros is my real rooting interest. My second rooting interest is the Phillies. I I, I know it's Philadelphia. Like I'm, it's kind of yeah, gross that I want I want to root for a, a Philadelphia team, but I I don't know. I find their team so fun to watch with their lineup with with Castellanos and Trey Turner and Bryce Harper. I I. There was a time where I hated Bryce Harper. <laughs> yeah. There, like it was, he deserved to have all the hype he got when he he was entering the league, and then when he came in the league, I found him to be overrated, and then I found him to be really overrated when he went to Philadelphia and his team that he left immediately won a World Series. Right. And so, part of me kind of hated the guy, but God, the ba- the the sport of baseball is just dying for you know real stars uh, that are compelling and fun to watch. And he's one of those few guys. And I love, unlike Mookie Betts, who continues to suck in October. <laughs> I love that Bryce uh, Harper, he, you know, he's he, born he, for October. He, th- yeah, he thrives in the the moment and wants to play in, in games in October. And right. Game embrace, one was his birthday. And he hit a and home that run. too, on his 31st yeah. birthday, it's a home run. And, uh-huh. and talks about how much he loves it in Philly and really, uh, 
really enjoys playing for that fan base. I don't know. It, there are similar feels to like what it used to be when the Red Sox were great. I don't know. So yeah. Oh, I know. I agree. Like that is the vibes, like being able, like still seeing that. Cause I think it's, it's easy for us, especially as Red Sox fans to kind of become detached to this team for so many different reasons. But what we're seeing with the Phillies in 2023, that was the Red Sox from 2003 to, you know, 2011 probably. Right. You know, Maybe not 2011 because that was the, the year where, <laughs> where they well, got know, Crawford and Gonzalez when, and got Terry yeah. Franco. I know what you mean. I though. think that was when things kind of started to get a little sour. It's like this isn't the same team. 2013, the Boston Strong year. 2018 is like, whoa, this team won a World Series, best yeah. team in baseball. But it's like those teams, like in those the, early 2000s. The 2000s. Yeah, right. I think that was like when like baseball 04, was. 07. The Red Sox are the most popular team in town, and it, you know it, that was kind of when it started to fall off. But you see in Philly right now, it, it's cool. I love, I love that baseball has a, a team that has a fan base. That's, that's a still, legit fan base, right. legit market that really mm-hmm. cares and really gets into it, and it makes it fun as a viewer. Yeah, I, I, it does. Someone that's watching some of these games, I, I don't know. I get into it when they're playing, and. Yeah, I don't know. I find them to be a fun, compelling watch and a uh, lot of interesting personalities on the team, whether if you like them or not. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I, I don't know. I, yeah, some people say they're the most likable team in baseball, which I, don't I, know I think is likable team is the right word. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I I find myself, I mean, yeah, I am rooting for them. They're so I fun. Guess it's fun in a way, yeah, but. Right. Or like, they're likable in a way, but. Because I don't, I don't admit, I don't want to see the Astros win. And then when it comes to the Rangers and Diamondbacks, Look, I I guess I like the Rangers more the way they've played, but I I kind of don't care about the Rangers or Diamondbacks. While the Phillies, I'm not gonna act like I'm a real fan or anything, but I just mm-hmm. I just find that the combination of the the personalities on their team, along with uh, a real baseball market, you know, fans that actually care are in that are into it, uh, I find myself rooting for them. Yeah, and I think that when I look at these four teams, I find myself easier to come up with reasons why I don't want them to win the World Series than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the Astros, I mean, that's an obvious one. They just won it last year. They've been they've to the World Series Seven straight ALCSs. Go away yeah. now. Go away. Right. The Rangers, I mean, they just feel like a team just out of nowhere just bought a World Series is essentially the way that it looks like that. You know, there hasn't been a whole lot of, like, struggle and come up together. It's just, oh, they were really bad. Put a billion dollars into the team, and, the and di- now they're... The, the Diamondbacks... Uh... I was a 84. fan of Tori, Tori Lavello. Yeah. Right? Oh, I love Tori. Right. I, I thought he was I'm, great. I'm still upset that the, the Red Sox didn't hire him and uh, move on from John Farrell quicker. But so my issue with the Diamondbacks is just an 84 win wild card team. It's just the a mad team. Like, yeah, whatever. Like, I, Evan, Evan Longoria was awesome when he was with the Rays in 08, but now mm-hmm. he kind of stinks. And yeah, I mean, he's not the same guy. You know, Tommy, they, they, Tommy Pham, Mr. Anti Fantasy Football, right. is, their, <laughs> is their third. Is their yeah, third batter crazy to me uh yeah i mean the diamondbacks like all right whatever like they're they're kind of it's a nice story that they're good right now but i just can't it's help just, but i look don't at care that. i i really, no, I really don't know and i, about I can't help but look at that win-loss record and be like what did we do to baseball like you know this is a consequence of expanding the playoffs and i i have been so back and forth on it and whether it's the system is broken or it's just the teams aren't all that good like injuries choking in the playoffs whatever but I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of an 84 win wild card winning World Series team. It's one thing if you win a bad division, but like 
they were the sixth it, best team in didn't the National the Braves League. win it t- two years ago with an 80-something? 80 88 win? and 74, okay, yeah. So not but, as bad, but... No, not as bad. I mean, the Cardinals won it 83 and 78. They won the NL Central, and the, you know they at least, to that extent, earned a playoff spot. It's not just, oh, let's just let half the league in and madness chaos embrace the chaos is the their hashtag and then i think with the phillies it just comes down to the whole like the fan base and everything but it's 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 a reason to like them and a reason to you know dislike them and yeah because the it, eagles fans yeah. are <laughs> yeah, it's the right. same people but eagles yeah fans. They're, they're eagles fans they're flyers fans they're sixers fans they're also phillies fans and I was a Phillies fan at one point. I loved Jim Tomey. Um, he was my favorite player in backyard baseball. And, you know, I was a big fan of them when they won the 2008 World Series. And then the Pirates became good. And the Phillies were like the, the preseason favorites along with the Red Sox one year. And I just, you know, started to move more toward the other side of the state where my family is from. But uh, I do have a cousin who's a big Phillies fan. So I'd be happy for him if, if his he sees his team win the World Series um, every rangers fan i know is just someone who lived in dallas and is like oh this baseball team that i didn't know that was a thing <laughs> they're actually kind of good they're not really big fans of them so that that to me would be the the more i guess rooting interest tiebreaker i'd have um but at the same time like there's a lot of really just gross people from philadelphia <laughs> no, I, I, get, I, I, no, I get it like I a, get it. you know i'd be happy for a handful of them but not all of them right <laughs> yeah because so. every every fan base has bad apples but like the the, the, the philly the right. the philadelphia That's, ones especially uh, when eagle they're eagles fans there are a lot of bad apples <laughs> no that. and I, i'll say one of my uh favorite um Steelers fan videos it's a, a guy who's getting arrested and the the news team asks do you have anything to say and he pauses a few seconds and says I hope the Steelers win the Super Bowl as he's being thrown into a, the back of a cop car it's like yes <laughs> great video but it's also like yeah every fan base has you know some some bad apples like he said so uh yeah, I mean, it'll be fun to see how this plays out. I think a Phillies World Series again would be really fun. Rangers, uh, it would be. Uh, I want Rangers yeah. Phillies. That's Same. what I want. I, that that's where my rooting interest is right now. Uh, Rangers Diamondbacks. You know, it is a classic MLB uh, interleague rivalry. AL NL play each other twice a year. <laughs> just... It, it, it just would not interest me that much. <laughs> it, it really uh, wouldn't if it's if that's what the matchup was. Like, anything no, with I, the Diamondbacks. I, I get that. I, I, I just. They're the team with the least buzz. If that, they're the least the buzzworthy four, team yes. left. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree with that. It, I mean, hey, it's the consequence of the Dodgers falling flat on their face. It's like, man, now we which have I'll the take, Arizona which I will take. So, <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm yeah. fine with it for for one round, but I, I don't want to see them in the World Series. Right. And Phillies Rangers. I mean, you have an interesting storyline that just occurred to me. The last time the Rangers were in the World Series, they lost back to back World Series. Yeah, and they, they were one strike of, away from winning. And and they yes did not yeah win. and they'd have they'd have a chance to win their first ever World Series and make the Phillies the latest team to lose back back to back World Series. World Series. Okay, so, that is yeah, that would be a both to Texas teams, both to the two Texas rivals. Yeah, it would be interesting. So um, yeah, I mean it, it's definitely going to keep my attention. So I uh, it's something to do on a you know a weeknight for sure. No, I was wa- I was watching some of Rangers Astros yesterday before the football game started, and I watched some right. of I mean, some of five Diamondbacks Phillies. Time, so yeah, like, just, just no, it's, flipping it's, back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's nice having games. You know, every night having the occasional just late afternoon start. 
So actually I realized game three of the NLCS at Arizona, that's a 2 p.m. local time first pitch. Kind of not not the most ideal. Hopefully their fans show out. I mean, this is a national championship. <laughs> 2 p.m. Series. in Arizona, another yep. fan base that like the opposite of Phil- Philadelphia, like they don't really care. Yeah, I certainly have my questions there. Uh, 2 I do remember for Arizona. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not feeling good about that one. Well, there's probably also going to be a lot of Phillies fans because I think that there's a lot. Of right, Philly but fans but I'm talking. I'm talking about the local fans. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, but I, it'll probably be a sellout, but not necessarily only because for, for of the for the, the home team. Crowd. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that's that's a interesting scheduling decision on their part. But I think it aligns with Game Four of Texas Houston, so that could be the the sweep potential. So. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm certainly excited to see where these games play out. I guess, you know, do you have, and do you think the baseball playoff system is broken or you just enjoy I'm kind of with you where I'm back and forth on it, where I look at the Dodgers and it's like, oh, they're just a bunch of chokers. But then I look at the Orioles and think, oh man, they should have been rewarded a little bit more for the, the season that they had because they hadn't, they've been so bad for so long and they finally have a great season with the players that they have that are up and coming. And then all of a sudden they just lose just like that. And right. So I, I'm yeah. kind of mixed. I have mixed feelings on it too, where I like that they've expanded the playoffs more and they give uh, more, more teams a chance to make a run and put up a better product in the regular season. But then you see when you get to the end, it's like, is this really the greatest matchup we're seeing in the world series? Kind of like the, I love hockey, love hockey. <laughs> But there uh, are t- there are times maybe not of relay because we saw like Colorado and Tampa in the final and like those are like two of the best teams. But there have been years where you have okay it's, there are a lot of, there's a lot of chaos and it's so great for the the first round the second round but then you get to the final it's like oh great Pengu- the Montreal Peng- Canadians Penguins right versus now. Sharks uh, uh, Lightning versus Canadians. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, Golden Knights versus Panthers, where yeah. you're coming into it and you're thinking you you want to talk up the underdog team, but you kind of have a pretty good feeling who's going to uh-huh. win the series. Right, right. No, and I I agree with that. It's look at March Madness. The 2023 tournament exactly. was insane, and then you end up with the final four with love UConn, it. Lo- love Miami, the chaos. and then you have UConn yeah. versus three teams that don't. Yeah, really Miami, Florida, Atlantic, and San Diego State, and then you think back the year before, and you had oh, we had North Carolina, Duke, Duke. Villanova, Villanova, Kansas. Kansas. Like, give me those teams in the final. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as you know. I love maybe the Peacocks, as but, early on, that, but. <laughs> that was as, that's as far as I uh, wanted them to go. Like I don't. Right. Don't I mean, <laughs> that's like the perfect final four. It's in, in the end. Like if you can get a tournament that has a chaos, but then in the end you like has man, a real like, I, matchups in the final right. four or championship. Then that's uh-huh. that's when that's when it's perfect. But right when and you have baseball, chaos and then leads to oh like this is our final matchup. Great. Like uh-huh. then. No, I know, and baseball's starting to trend that way. And look, I I get it, you know, playoffs, like let it happen out on the field, whatever. But what's the point of playing on 162 game regular season if if you're just going to have an 84 win matter? team have a chance of winning the World Series? Right, and it it, it feels like the buy is a punishment. And it, like, yes, I get you don't necessarily want to be in one of those best of three wild card situations where two bad nights and your season is over. But then you know, it's not like football where you got to rest up. Whatever. We we talked about like, that last. Week where yeah. in football uh, you you want and need to have the buy, right? But in baseball, but in baseball, you know, you play every single night, basically. When when, you, when in baseball, 
you can talk yourself into saying it's not beneficial. I don't no, know if it is you, or is The isn't. momentum and stuff. I don't yeah. think we've seen a, a large enough sample size. Right, it's two seasons of this format. But, so it, but in football, we've seen uh, it plenty of times where, yes, you need the buy. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, more and more lately we've seen that. And now baseball, it's kind of starting to trend the other way. But it's just like this that wasn't a thing. It was one wild card game, and then everyone jumps into the LDS. So... Um, and there's a lot more incentive to avoid the wild card game. Now it's almost like, well, if you can play everything outright, you end up with the Phillies, and you know they they've made the the most of this, so they've been able to you know get that early momentum and then make a, a run from there. So, but uh, regardless, I mean, I do think that there's still a few more years we have to get to that point, and I I do think that the four teams left have at least shown at points during the season that they are some of the best in the league. Um, even if they didn't necessarily enter. Maybe know, not that. the Diamondbacks, but the other three teams, now, well, yes. <laughs> they did, I know. The thing of the Diamondbacks, I remember, like it was a common take to say that the Diamondbacks could go to the NLCS back in like July. And uh, Okay, so kind of like the know. Rangers where right. at one point uh, they were they were awesome. They had the best record in the league, but then they Then they fell off and, and they weren't even you know, <laughs> they weren't even the division winner. No, they end up as a wild card. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's it's playing out the same way, and then in the playoffs, it, whatever it works out, it's kind of funny somehow. But uh, yeah. So we'll uh we'll see what happens from here. I'll certainly be tuning in, and uh, we'll obviously be tuning in to the NFL still, even if you know your team is not. Trust me, really I watch more <laughs> more red zone than ever. <laughs> uh, and I see the Patriots yeah. less than ever on red zone because. Right. You can't ever get into the red zone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what, like 27 straight drives? Or I think it was 34. 34. 34 straight without yeah. a touchdown on their yeah, team. Even without a red team. zone possession, <laughs> it was like really bad. So, but anyway, uh, that'll do it for this one. So, uh, we definitely have an outro. For my co host, Brian Wells, I'm Cordy Thanks, everyone.